Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Friday, May 22nd, 2020, coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered, a woman and her son, black, black woman and her son, attacked in a Missouri Sam's Club are filing a lawsuit. You ever see this brutal attack saying they stole a television when they actually paid for it? We'll talk with their attorney. Attempted murder charges have been dropped against Kenneth Walker, Breonna Taylor's boyfriend. We'll give you those details. Vice President Joe Biden, oh, guess what? Did an interview with Charlemagne today where he made a comment that has pissed off Republicans. They're really caught in their feelings. Paris Denard, the African-American Outreach Director for Trump, is going to join us. Yeah, we're going to break this thing down as to who really speaks to the interests of African-Americans. Donald Trump defined churches as essential today and calls on governors to reopen this weekend, saying he will even overrule them. If they don't open the churches up. We'll talk to a pastor who says, hell no, they are not opening their churches. 
and an Alabama mayoral candidate calls for the return of public hangings. Plus, while now Friday, comedian Queen Aisha is here. Oh yeah, it's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered. Let's go. in Des Paris, Missouri are being sued by a 68-year-old black woman and her son after they were attacked at a Sam's Club in March. They were accused of stealing a television they already purchased. Folks, this is a trigger warning. This is a stunning and shocking video. Watch this. Gray and her son Derek were the victims of that attack. Joining me now is the attorney Andrew Strauf. Andrew, first and foremost, I'm just trying to understand how did this whole thing go down? They're being accused of stealing the television, but they already paid for it. Yeah, Roland, it's another tragic incident caught on video. Uh, Mrs. Marvia Gray, 68 years old, African American woman, in the store with her 43 year old son Derek Gray. They went and had already bought a Sony Bravia 65-inch flat-screen TV. 
Uh, they had left the store because they didn't have room in their SUV to take home the television. Uh, Derek came back to the store and an officer was, you know, following him around and thought, thought Derek stole the TV. Um, the officer at some point calls for backup. And the next thing you know, without cause or provocation, you see what you just watched on the video, which is the officers from the De Pere Police Department brutally attacking Mrs. Gray and Derek Gray. So at any point did the officers say, do you have the receipt for this television? Did they say to any of the store personnel, um, you know, what, what's going on here? Well, in, in fact, not the store personnel told them that they had the, they had paid for the TV. So those officers came in on 10 and it was definitely a, a, a racial profiling incident. And both Mrs. Gray and Derek sustained major injuries. And what we did on Monday is we filed a lawsuit in court on Monday, a seven count lawsuit against the city of De Pere and the officers who brutally attacked the Grays. You know, we thank God that there was a citizen bystander, two citizens who captured that video because without the video, people wouldn't believe what happened. And, and as you know, Roland, you look at Mike Brown in St. Louis, you look at what the tragedy in Brunswick, Georgia, you know, these events are being captured on video for America to see what's, what's really happening in our communities as it relates to the unjustified use of a force by the police. So was the officer on duty as security, and then he called back up? No, well, the officer was in the store. I'm not sure why he was in the store. He, According to the store, he wasn't working for them. Uh, so we don't really know. We just know that it was a police officer in the store, was following Derek, who bought a $1,400 TV, and then he called for backup. And again, um, he had the receipt, and his mom, I mean, these are middle-class folks. How can you, in 2020, walk into a store buy a TV, and then get attacked and jumped on by multiple police officers. So, so again, so they bought this TV. They couldn't get it fit in their car, so he comes back. What yes. that means is that the television was at the front of the store. It was, That's correct. It was being held. So he would then, the way, I mean, I'm, I'm a Sam's Club member, a Costco member. And so what happens is you come, you're coming into the store where the exit is. And so you're passing your customer service, you're going, you, you have to ask somebody, hey, you're holding my television, here's my receipt, I came to pick it up. And so I'm just trying to understand how an officer would just immediately start following him and would not listen to store personnel who said, no, he's here to pick up a TV he's already bought. Well, that, that's what happened. Tragically, that, that's ultimately what happened. The store informed the officer that he had purchased the TV, but those officers came in on 10, and the video speaks for itself, and that's why we had to file the lawsuit against the city and against those officers. And, and like I said, the video speaks for itself. So he, uh, you said they sustained major injuries. What kind of injuries? Well, he's got, uh, he, his head was, uh, he's got multiple stitches in the back of his head, uh, Mrs. Gray has a fractured tailbone and then both of them and, and, a fra and a messed up elbow. And then Derek also had at least three teeth wiped out. So he suffered a, a head injury and had to have dental surgery as well. 
and had multiple staples in the back of his head. And, and I got to tell you, his mom, Mrs. Gray, thought her son was going to go the fate of many young black men, which is being killed by the police. She was screaming on that video because she thought they were going to kill her son. So, so how did this thing escalate to the point of getting taken down? I mean, I, I, if you're a cop and you think the person tried to take a television, I, I would think that what you would say is, uh, sir, that you purchased the television, do you have a receipt? I, that, that's just what I think. I'm, I'm just trying to understand how does it escalate to this takedown, and this brutal takedown. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, those officers came in on 10. They had suspicion of theft, but no evidence of theft. And the store told them the truth, and the officers still attacked them. So, again, I, I don't know why those guys in Georgia killed Ahmaud Aubrey either. I don't know why that officer in St. Louis in Ferguson uh, killed Mike Brown. I don't know why, you know, Tamir these, Rice, Laquan McDonald, these, Freddie Gray, Walter Scott. So, I mean, I, I can't answer that question. The, I don't know. These stores have significant numbers of cameras. Have yeah. you petitioned? Have you, have you seen the store cameras? Uh, we have. And the store cameras support the narrative that you see on the video that you have from the bystanders, that there was no cause and provocation, and the officers attacked both Marvia Gray, a 68-year-old woman, doesn't weigh 100 pounds and, and hurt her significantly. And she already suffers from osteoporosis and sarcoidosis and some other major illnesses. Derek was in St. Louis to take care of his ailing mom. He lives in Virginia. He went to take care of her. He went to go buy her a TV because she also has glaucoma. And again, they go to the store, come back and get brutally attacked by the police and, and their lives are changed forever. And, and what we want to do is shine a light on these types of attacks to make sure they don't continue to happen in our communities and with people of color. Wow. Attorney Andrew Schaff, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Folks, our panel today, Dr. Greg Carr, Chair, Department of Afro-American Studies, Howard University, Amisha Cross, Political Analyst and Democratic Strategist, Joseph Williams, Senior Editor, U.S. News and World Report. Greg, this is just crazy. I mean, when, when, to, to see this, I mean, there's a protocol. It's real basic. If you're a cop and you're not actually working the store and you haven't been called by Sam's Club saying this man is stealing something, it's very simple. If you have, first of all, we need to establish what was your cause of suspicion? Well, the cause of suspicion, there was no cause of suspicion. Uh, the crime was being black. Um, all we have to do is look at the fact of wh while that video was being taken, uh, the workers at the checkout continued to scan items. You see one of the white checkout guys continuing to scan some plants or something and put them in the basket. It was very clear before we heard Attorney Stroud explain that they had purchased it, that they were at the front of the store, because you can see people continuing with business as usual. The crime was blackness. This is very important to understand. When um, Mrs. Gray, when Marvia Gray said uh, later, quote, this is the way Derek is going to go. In other words, this is the way he's going to die. What she is acknowledging is the reality that we seem to not want to finally just confront and name. And that is that there is no such thing as black humanity in this racist settler state when it comes to law enforcement. So these paddle rollers don't see human beings. We, uh, that's why we have to uh, uh, seek the rule of law, because the lawsuit is an attempt to confront the field of violence that we live in. 
the field of violence that we live in says that there is no such thing as a black human being. So at any time, law enforcement can approach a black person as, as if they are a non-person, because we are not. The only thing I would say initially is the only alternative we have to filing lawsuits is to go beyond the law. And if we go beyond the law, or we go to a, a larger valence of law, like the Second Amendment, and so then we approach law enforcement from the idea that we're not going to seek redress after our lives have been harmed or taken, but seek redress as you confront us. Now the society comes apart and we're facing something very different. But we've got to stop saying things like, I don't understand. No, as Neely Fuller said, if you don't understand white supremacy, how it works, then everything else you think you understand will only confuse you. Of course we understand. Amisha, Amisha this is the nonsense that, that we, again, constantly deal with. And I just can't wait to hear what the hell these cops have to say. And again, Sam's Club, they've got enough videos. They've got videos that you'll probably see him coming from outside, coming from the parking lot, coming into the store. You'll probably be able to see this entire deal go down. You won't have the audio, but you have the video from beginning to end. Absolutely. Like, I have never seen a case, and, and I've been in grocery stores and other stores where somebody was suspected of stealing something, and typically there's something goes off or there's some video footage that shows that this person did something. In this case, this was extremely crazy. Um, hearing the mother scream as loud as she did, like, that was chilling for me. Um, she literally felt as though her son was about to die and that it was going to happen in front of her very eyes. The way that he was thrown to the ground, the thrashing he took, um, the, you know, the head beating he had, obvious blood and everything else was happening. And, and as Dr. Carr spoke of, business as usual was going on around them. There's so much that went wrong in this case from the very onset of why he was suspected of, of a crime to begin with, but also after, after people within the store tell you that he actually purchased said TV and you continue to treat him as though he's a criminal and get extremely aggressive. Hell, even if he had a stolen the TV, all of what we saw happen in that video was totally outside of the realm of what police should do to maintain any type of order. I think that, you know, we have reached a pitch point in this country where officers are basically throwing all, all caution to the wind and brutalizing black people for the sake of brutalizing black people. There is no real answer to why he did it. And I think that, you know, if we're trying to search for one, we'll be searching forever because across the country, we've watched this type of abuse happen to black men specifically for generations now. Joseph. Well, I mean, clearly there's, there's, there's really not much more that can be said. What I'm kind of curious about, and, and to Greg's point, there were many people that were just walking by. I mean, we saw a couple of shoppers go on about their business. There were people ringing things up. There were uh, only a few people, and they were mostly black people, who stopped and said, hey, what's going on? Let him go. Let her go. And what also kind of frustrates me, because I mean, watching this video, my jaws are getting kind of tight. Nobody from Sam's Club came over and said, hey, chill out. This is not a problem. No one intervened. And it all went down horribly wrong in, in many ways that we've seen before. What also troubles me about this whole situation is this is the only one we know about, right? We, got, we happen to know about it because it got caught on video. If it hadn't been caught on video, we would not have seen it. I mean, it's everywhere. It's pernicious. It's something that is, is so incredibly frustrating, especially coming literally a stone's throw from Ferguson, where the eyes of the nation were focused on a, a situation that had a lot of, uh, of hallmarks to this uh, one. So I'm just kind of wondering when enough is going to be enough. And sadly, I don't think we have the answer yet. All right, folks, uh, let's go to uh, this uh, next story. And that is Louisville Commonwealth attorney Tom Wine announced today 
that Kenneth Walker is no longer charged with attempted murder of a police officer. Walker was accused of firing his gun at Louisville Metro Police Department officers who were serving a warrant at Breonna Taylor's apartment in March. Officer John Mattingly was struck in the leg. Wine played audio recordings of Walker describing what happened. Walker said there were several bangs on the door, and when he and Taylor got out of bed to see who was there, the door was being rammed open. That's when Walker fired one shot, he said, prompting a barrage of return gunfire, leaving Taylor shot multiple times and dying on the floor of her hallway. Amisha, uh, what's interesting is that, and I was tweeted this, NRA, nowhere to be found. Dana Lash, Grant Stinchfield, Colin Noor, all the people who was on NRA TV, Nowhere to be found. Uh, it was a black judge who released Kenneth Walker. Uh, the cops again uh, tried to, try to get, charge him with attempted murder. He is a law-abiding citizen, has a, has a permit. He was defending himself. I'm glad this DA did this. But again, where are all those Second Amendment people standing up for a black man? We already know, Roland, that the Second Amendment in this country does not count if your skin is black or brown, period. Um, and we've seen this time and time again. This is one of those tragic cases where we would have hoped that someone who is a card-carrying and legal gun owner was able to receive some types of protections for literally being in his home and defending his girlfriend. Like, there is a point where all of the conservative rhetoric falls apart, a point where all of the NRA rhetoric falls apart. Because at the moment when they should have stepped forward in terms of arguing for the support of someone, we consistently watch it fail if the person is not a white man who is doing it. So it's, it's bothersome to me that the NRA still pushes all of the protect yourself. We're using this, the right to bear arms. We want to make sure that everyone is a legal gun owner and everyone has the right to carry and everyone has access and open access to guns illegally. However, when you're in a situation and you're a minority who has the same legal right to defend yourself under the Constitution of the United States, everything seems to be flipped. And those spokespeople, those people who you mentioned earlier, are silent as church mice. We've seen it time and time again. At this point, I just want African-Americans understand that in this country, the NRA, the Second Amendment apparently does not apply to you. And we've seen this over the course of time. And I don't think it's going to change anytime too soon. Those uh, folks, when they talk about gun rights, they're talking white gun rights. They are not talking about you. Uh, thank goodness, Greg, you had a DA with enough sense not to take this thing further. Yes, uh, I give Commonwealth uh, Attorney Tom Wine, uh, uh, Commonwealth uh, State's Attorney, Commonwealth Attorney Tom Wine, uh, absolutely no credit. Um, he is doing the prudent thing in order to perhaps secure a conviction down the road. At that same press conference, he said uh, that he could bring this back to the grand jury a second time once the FBI and the Kentucky Attorney General have finished their investigation, and he said there's, it isn't clear yet what happened. At the same time, he launched a, into a stern and strong defense of the police, uh, said that they knocked six or seven times, played an audio of Walker saying that they knocked, although they didn't announce themselves as police, according to Walker. And so, no, he, he absolutely gets no credit. Who gets credit, I think, is, uh, is you meaning black media, black news media, particularly this show, and people all over the country who rose in outrage and forced the hand of this person. We shouldn't, we should never personalize uh, actions like this. We need to think of them strategically and understand that it is the power of collective action
action that forces the hand of folks like this and that he could still go back to the law. The only other thing I say in that same press conference today, he noted that Brother Walker was hitting the femoral artery. And he said that had he not had a wallet in his pocket at the time, there's a very real possibility that he could have bled out and died himself that night. So no, uh, uh, no credit for wine. Let's wait and see what happens and let's intensify the pressure. Uh, Joseph, uh, your thoughts? Well, again, there's a through line through all of this, right? I mean, the NRA, the, the, the police actions, it's all a piece, right? It, dating way back to the 1800s and even beyond. I mean, uh, uh, it's, it's about the power of the state and the power of violence being used against black bodies. It's, it's, it's a through line. It's, it's con a continuum. And people feel like this is uh, the right that they have, uh, especially when they view a, a black person as either an offender or an instigator or some kind of criminal. So it doesn't surprise me in the least that the, the district attorney is trying to bring back charges or reserving his place in there. But it also in indicates to me that it was uh, quite a thing for the judge to release this, uh, uh, this man, especially when the police are still intent on charging him. And this is another reason why we need more black uh, attorneys, more black judges, and one reason why the court system will inherently remain unfair until we do. All right, folks, today um, in an interview on, um, Char on The Breakfast Club, uh, Joe Biden was interviewed by Charlemagne, and they covered uh, a number uh, of topics. And so what I want to do is uh, I want to first uh, show you um, top of the show. So here was a video. Again, it was about an 18-minute long video, told about 18 minutes, originally scheduled for 10 minutes. They talked about uh, the whole issue of, first, does the Democratic Party take African-Americans for granted? Here's part of that discussion. Okay, first, that's the wrong clip, okay? So, control room, get it together. I specifically want to hear the clip where he was talking about, uh, when he was asked a question about black voters being taken for granted by the Democratic Party. Play that. Now, this is the end of the interview, and this is the part that, as uh, Republicans, all stir it up, as well as some African-Americans. All right, folks, right now is Paris Denard. He is head of African-American outreach for the Trump campaign. Uh, Paris, you sent out a tweet today, excuse me, an email that said, Charlemagne the God rips Biden for avoiding his radio show, saying he owes black people his political life. I'm just curious, has Donald Trump done The Breakfast Club? Um, I don't know if the president has been invited to uh, The Breakfast Club. Well, has, has, he done, has he done any of the nationally syndicated black radio shows? Uh, not, not to my knowledge. I don't know if he has, but I certainly know that uh, his people in his administration. No, no, but, ha but, ha um, but, but has he? Has he? Because this obviously Biden is a candidate. I can tell you right now on this show. Well, first of all, my News One Now show and this one, uh, we've tried, and, and it was actually Trump's idea to do a sit down, but they haven't even done that. And so, if if the Repub if a team Trump is talking about Biden, his comments to black media. But Trump hasn't made any effort to talk to black media, any of these national shows. Don't you think you sound pretty hypocritical? Because you haven't answered. Trump hasn't answered any of these questions from black media folks. Well, no, I know, Roland, you've been invited to the White House to talk to the president before the State of the Union several times. And no, I know twice, that twice. 
So, but again, in, in one of those meetings, so, in one of those so, meetings, in one of those meetings, Trump said that he would do it. He would do a do. He would sit down with me and Ben Carson. I've sent multiple emails to Mercedes Schlapp, Kellyanne Conway, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, uh, as well as Hogan Gitley. Hasn't happened. That's been three years. Well, it looks like he's uh, tying the record with President Obama. But I think at the actually, end of the actually, day— Actually, no, that's actually not true. I, first of all, President Obama was sworn in on in January 2009. I interviewed President Barack Obama in, in January 2010. So, no, you're wrong. I think he's tying the record with, with President Obama in terms of uh, engagement with, with black media. But I think hold he's on, Hold on, hold on, hold no, on. Based upon what? But I think, hold on, based, but upon, I, based upon what? based upon a whole host of people complaining for multiple years about the lack of access that was given to uh, the black press and the black media. No, 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 I can uh, but I, I can tell you that's an absolute lie. Because first of all, again, one year in, I had president, I sat down with President Barack Obama. I know for a fact that I also helped set the interview with President Barack Obama on the Tom Jordan Morning Show. Donald Trump hasn't done any of these black media outlets. So what I'm saying is, y'all really shouldn't try to even talk about that because you have no record. Well, actually we do. I'm glad you brought up a record because we do have a record to run on and that's what we're proud to do. What and record? that's what we're going to do. What's the record? The record the, well, the record is very clear. The record of unprecedented HBCU support, the record on criminal justice reform, the record on his executive order on uh, kidney disease and kidney health, the, the record on uh, supporting school choice, which I know is something that you support as well as HBCU support. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you a question. You talked about record. Does the Trump, did the Trump administration also uh, endorse stopping consent decrees of police departments from the Department of Justice? Yes or no? Um, I, I'm not here to speak on behalf of the Trump administration. No, 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 hold on, but, that's, but, no, but you are. You just said the Trump administration has a record. And you're talking about that whole issue in terms of what they've done for African-Americans. One of the first actions of Jeff Sessions as general was to go against the consent decree in Baltimore. In fact, a federal judge overruled him. He went against the consent decree in Chicago. Then he gave a speech before the very law enforcement groups said they were pulling back on consent decrees because they were hurting the morale of police officers. Attorney General William Barr endorsed that. Donald Trump endorsed that. Second, you talked about the whole issue of uh, uh, First Step Act. Also... The, the Trump Department of Justice to reverse the rules of Eric Holder saying go for the maximum sentences that you can when Eric Holder was trying to slow down mass incarceration by saying you don't have to go for the maximum sentences. The Trump administration brought back private prisons uh, on the federal level. Do those things count in your criminal justice plan? Roland, you can try to give cover to Joe Biden. No, 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 hold on. I haven't mentioned Joe Biden. No, no, I haven't mentioned Joe Biden. I'm specifically talking about the Trump plan for black people. Did any of those things I just tell you happen? Yes or no? Did any of the things that I just described happen? Let me ask you yes or no. Yes, but hold on. But you offered that. But the fact of the matter is that it's yes. The fact of the matter is the president has a Hold on, hold on, hold on. Paris, I answered your question. The things that I mentioned, did they happen, yes or no? The things that I mentioned, did they happen, yes or no? I answered yours. Can you answer mine? I am sure, because you are an astute journalist, that those things did happen. Yes, they did. Okay. Do not, but those things do not take away the fact that Joe Biden is says bigoted things, like he said today, that was insulting, 
things that should have never been said that uh, that Ambassador Patrick Gaspar said that he wouldn't have said even in jest. But it doesn't take away from President Trump's impressive record for the black community that any Democrat or any Republican running for the second term would love to have. Uh, actually, actually, I would, this, actually, I would disagree with that one. But I got to ask you this here. I got to ask you this here. Can you respond to the rollback of civil rights protections in various departments in the Trump administration? Can you respond to the Department of Labor suspending the affirmative action rules, which have been imposed by the National Urban League, Mark Morrell, imposed by Congresswoman Bonnie Coleman, even during the middle of COVID? Can you respond to any of that? What I can respond to is the fact that the Department of Labor did a rule change that made it so that the millions of people that looked like you and me that were left out of the health care system because of Obamacare, who still cannot afford health care, were given the ability to pull themselves together from geography or by industry and tap into health care and receive it at a more affordable price like but, a big company uh, would able to do. Are y'all taking, you trying to take, you trying to take credit for the Affordable Care Act? No, by, by no means. We, I'm glad we got rid of the individual mandate. What I'm saying is because of the Obama, because, in spite of Obamacare, there were still millions of Americans that were small business owners more specifically that were left out of the system and still could not afford health care because of a rule change from the Department of Labor under the Trump administration. They made it possible for these small businesses to pull together by geography and by industry and, and then uh, get access to affordable health care because they were left out and couldn't afford it even so, so I, under Obamacare. So I got to ask this you, so African-American uninsured rate dropped by more than a third because, because of the Affordable Care Act, but y'all want to get rid of the Affordable Care Act, but you have no replacement. And so how can you say you, you, you want to improve the health of African-Americans when you have no plan to do so? And if you have a plan, where is it? Because I haven't seen it. Well, the, the the Congress has put put forth multiple plans. Who? Uh, but, but but the most the. Hold on, which hold on, which Congress? Uh, the, the 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 Republican Congress uh, when when this was taken up, I believe the last Congress had multiple plans for it. No, no, that, no, 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 they actually no, they haven't. In fact, they've been waiting for Trump because he keeps saying he has one, but it hasn't been shown. So what's the plan? Well, the, the first thing was to get rid of the individual mandate. The second thing was to make sure that as we look at COVID-19, that any any black American, any American, period, who cannot afford uh, to go into the hospital should not use economics as or socioeconomics uh, as, a, as, a, as an excuse or a reason to not go. Because of the CARES Act supported by the president and, and, and moves by the administration, if you need to want to get a test, you can get a test. If you Hold on, if what, you want to a coronavirus? If you sick, yes, Roland, coronavirus. Hold on, that's the right that, now, Paris, that's not true. There there are African Americans who I know who still can't get tests. So you try wait a minute, hold on. You're actually trying to tell me right now that if any American wants a coronavirus test, they can get one right now? I'm I'm gonna take it a step further, Roland, and help educate you and your audience. If anybody right now, especially in the black community, needs to get a coronavirus test, they can do so. Number one. Number Where? two, if Where? you if you Where? If the, the Trump administration has put forth uh, uh, tons of resources as it relates to com uh, community centers and testing. If you saw that uh, over 100,000 uh, through FEMA 
uh, testings were sent to Detroit specifically. Well, look, I, addition, I, 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 I was told we were supposed to have drive-by testing. And there's a big old news conference in the Rose Garden with Walgreens and CVS and Walmart. That None of that has actually happened. Well, Roland, what has happened is if anybody that, that needs to be tested or anybody who is hospitalized for COVID-19, any COVID-19 related health issues, you do not have to worry about paying for it if you cannot afford it. So you're saying, and hold so on, hold I, on. No, 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 I'm going to go back to what you said. So you're saying that if anybody out there who wants a COVID-19 test anywhere in the country, they can get it right now? Yes. And... Wow, that's, that's not, breaking that, news. It, that is not breaking news. We Actually, it is. It's not well. Well, I'm glad to break it to you, and I'll also <laughs> break it to you and your audience that if you can't afford it, you can still go and get care for COVID-19. So let's not use economics as a reason why we don't go and get the care that we need because of the disproportionate impact of COVID-19. You spoke but about. Go no, Go ahead. Go ahead. But at the end of the day, what I was brought on to talk about and to address is the bigoted comments of Joe Biden today that were insulting and disgusting. And to any free-thinking, independent-minding black American out there, Joe Biden, a 77-year-old white man in quarantine in his basement, is telling us how, it, how we have to vote and what we need to vote. And if we dare vote outside of how he wants us to vote, he's taken away our black card. It's despicable, it's disgusting, and it's, it's and we should not tolerate that. It was Question. offensive. Were you, were you offended when Ralph Reed said uh, that Christians, is there more obligation to vote for Trump in 2020? All Christians. I, was, I, I don't find that to be an offensive comment. It's not? It's because, uh, so, so if you're a Christian and then you don't support Trump, he said, Ralph Reed literally said, it's the moral obligation of all Christians to render to God and render to Trump. Well, I don't so know you said render to God and render no, to actually, Trump. Actually, 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 he did. It's actually in his book. Uh, well, uh, congratulations. I didn't read his book, but I will tell well, no, you. But, no, but he's, but he's, he's, a, he's a white conservative evangelical. So if you're criticizing, and, and, if you're, if you're criticizing I, Joe and, Biden and, for this, and, and do, do, you, do you criticize? I Pentecostal who looks at the Democrat Party and their, st and their stances on certain things morally, and I find them to be reprehensible. So, 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 no, so I'm asking again. I'm asking again. If you criticize, Paris, Paris, if, Paris, if you're criticizing Joe Biden, if you're criticizing Joe Biden for this, when you have a governor of Virginia who, who was proudly putting on blackface and, and supports infanticide and late-term abortions, and when you have an, and, and when you have things like that, yes, morally, I'm against it. And so, are you all, so are, are, are you also as a black conservative? Do you stand with Donald Trump or black conservative Colin Powell when it comes to voter suppression, how it's being specifically targeted as African-Americans? Have you called out Donald Trump and the Republican Party for their full embracing of voter suppression, such as what we've seen in North Carolina, where federal judges ruled there was a laser-like laser targeting of black voters? Have you done that? I is, have. Is, is that morally offensive? Is it morally offensive for Republicans to have a laser-like targeting of black voters to suppress their vote? Yes or no? I don't. I, well, I disagree that Republicans have a laser-like focus on trying to suppress Paris, the black vote. Paris, a panel, a panel of federal judges. Paris, that was in an actual ruling. That Republicans in North Carolina literally asked, "When are African Americans voting in early voting?" They were shown that 70% voted during the first week of early voting, and they changed the rules to keep black folks from from voting during that period. 
a, fed a federal judge has ruled that there was a laser-like targeting of black voters. So are you actually so? I'm just we're curious. Is that morally offensive to you as a black man, as a Pentecostal black man, that white Republicans would target black voters like that in North Carolina? Yes or no? Is it offensive to you that the Democrat Party is the party of infanticide and, and, and continues to be the actually, leading actually, cause actually, of death? Actually, you don't, you don't answer a question with a question. But I'll be more than happy to answer your question. But can you actually, answer my question? Roland, actually, Roland, uh, I am able to do that because I'm a free-thinking black so, man. What, so, and I can do whatever okay. I day well, okay, please. Okay, but, can you, but, and, but and if you're is, more, it's morally is, offensive, the answer the question. Freedom and opportunity. Answer the question. And what Joe Biden did. Are you are you offended? Are you offended that Republicans in North Carolina had a laser-like targeting of black voters trying to keep them from voting? Does that offend you? I'm offended by the efforts right now of Democrats that are trying to make mail-in voting. Uh, the thing of what we're doing, knowing that it is not only dangerous, knowing that it is not only dangerous for Black Americans, not only that there are several accounts of many Blacks on, on the left hand side, on the left side of the political aisle, who who raise the problems with mail-in voting. That's why the RNC has put out protectthevote.com. First of all, first of all, hold on, hold on, hold on. If I recall, the greatest thing, the great for, for the, us to not. I have a all mail-in ballot system. I'm in, sorry, in, I'm in sorry, hold up, night, hold up, night, nice try trying to flip it, but the greatest example of voter fraud uh, with the hoarding of ballots took place by Republicans in North Carolina, where the Republican Party had to admit there need to be a whole new election. That actually happened. What I still don't understand is this here. What I still don't understand is why is it? Because if, if here's it is. When you say free thinking, see, free thinking black man has the ability to call out stuff on the left or on the right. In the middle, middle it doesn't matter. But, uh, but, when you, but see, you're actually being a partisan uh, black Republican when you're afraid to even stand with Colin Powell, who gave a speech and the governor of North Carolina, Republican, was sitting in the audience and he called them out for their attacks on black people voting. But you can't even say that the laser-like targeting of black voters was morally wrong. I am not going to allow you or Joe Biden to <laughs> offend me or the millions of black people like me. I, I didn't offend you. That we, that, that we can uh, think for ourselves. Yes, I'm a partisan, but I'm also a free thinker. And, and it's offensive for many people out there, young black Americans especially, who want to look and examine the records of both sides, look at the parties, and, and, and have a fair and open mind to determine who they want to vote for and, and to do so by looking at their interests. And for them to say, and for you and for others to then question their blackness or-, or No, I'm sorry. Or, or I, first of all, hold on, hold on, hold on, stop. See, 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 Paris, that, hold on. See, wrong. Paris, see right here, Paris. See, this is the mistake that you know. Because the reality, Paris, you would have never signed your CNN contract if I didn't put you on the air. And here's the deal, you know this. I never, I never allowed anybody to call you a sellout, to call you a coon, to call you an Uncle Tom. I do not allow people to use that language to any black person, whether they are Republican or Democrat, whether they are hotep, whether they are Christian, it does not matter. I don't allow it. So one, that's a lie. It's a lie for you to sit here and say what you just said because I don't allow it. Now, if we want to have a free black man conversation, again, as, yeah, a, as, as a black man, as a black, as a black man, as a black, here's what I want to know. Again, when you talk about 
about standing up for something, when you talk about what's right, you talked about uh, there, there are Democrats who are pro-choice, Republicans who are pro-life. I've been highly critical of Republicans who call themselves pro-life, but say nothing when black men get gunned down, who say nothing when they get shot. See, here's the whole piece. Either you're pro-life or you're or you uh, pro-life only in the womb. Now, see, do you want to have that conversation? I'm more yeah, than willing it. to have it with you because here's what I do know. The man you're supporting has stood before and has criticized progressive district attorneys, black DAs who are trying to end mass incarceration. He has said we're going to pull back on consent decrees. And so, it's again... It's laughable, Roland, that you are going to happen? sit here to your audience and ignore... Joe Biden's oh no 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 see hold up I, I don't on, I can't ignore incarceration it. and try to flip it no 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 see see, you know, uh, see here's what you're wrong you know here's what you're wrong for criminal justice reform here's, that is actually here's impacting where thousands of black but men here's where you're and wrong. reuniting with their families our communities see? and our and our citizens. See, and Larry, Paris, Paris, do you, Paris, do yourself a favor. Paris, do yourself a favor and go to YouTube. Go to YouTube, Paris. Paris, do yourself a favor. Paris, Paris, do yourself a favor. Paris, do yourself a favor. Inform your audience of something. Oh, what? What's that? In my CNN contract, and your producers knew that. I made it very clear that I wanted a carve out for TV and your show. I know, I got but, that. Uh, no, and so it was not because of you, because I was doing media long before your show. Paris, Paris, but it was out Paris, of respect, come on. It was out of respect to you and your platform <laughs> that I asked for a carve out, Paris, which didn't happen. Paris, but here's the deal, Paris. your Paris. ego, here's and the deal, because Paris. of your ego, and getting fired from CNN and, and being actually, jealous I, Actually, I didn't get fired from CNN. You refused to put me back on the show that's not true. I had the contract knowing full well no that's I had, not true had a car out for no, your no, show. no no paris paris so that's not true problem is paris is not is true you don't want to have the truth paris is not true is you don't want to stand up against the democrats paris, your problem is I'll stand you want to flip democrats. the script and not talk about joe biden tonight no paris that's why paris here's where you're wrong paris here's why you're wrong see paris let me break this down for you you can go to YouTube and see the number of conversations we've had about Joe Biden and his criminal justice plan. We've actually done that. Hold up, hold up. Let me also help you out. I have a, let me help you out, Paris. I have a two-hour show. And guess what? I, I have, well, I'm not going to be going for no, two no, hours. Paris, 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 you're not going to be here two hours because I'm not going to waste that's, that time. I have Latasha Brown from Black Voters Matter. Let's go. I have a Pull panel of three people. I have a panel of three people who we're going to be discussing all of that. So trust me, you don't program the show. But, but I will say this here. If you are going to dare to criticize Joe Biden for not doing black media, your boss that's has done... I'm sorry, it's on your email. In the email you sent out, your boss hasn't done black media. Your boss hasn't your boss hasn't consented. Your boss has the the Trump campaign when we launched Black Voices for Trump, we made a significant effort and with with money, quite frankly, to have paid No, 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 that's not what I asked. Has Donald Trump has Donald Trump No, 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 no. Answer the question. Did Donald Trump sit down with Tom Joyner before he retired? Has, Do has Donald Trump talked to Steve Harvey, D.O. Hughley, Erica Campbell, Ricky Smiley, Joe Madison? Has Donald Trump what? talked to any of them? I'm glad, yes. The answer is yes. And when Who? he did meet with Steve Harvey, the, the, no, no, the no, black no, 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 so, That's not what I so, just told so you. Viciously, has Donald so Trump viciously, done an interview so with Steve Harvey on his radio show?
Yes or no? No, but he has met with Steve Harvey. That's not, that's not what I asked. I asked you, has Donald Trump done interviews on the air with Steve Harvey, Tom Dunham before he retired, Ricky Smiley, D.O. Hughley, Joe Madison, Erica Campbell, Dee Dee, all the nationally black syndicated radio shows. Has he done any of them? No, but he has met with black journalists. Okay, got and you. He has, and he, got on, you. on a local level. Oh, so no, just but, because... but, but he, so he won't talk to any of these nationally syndicated radio shows, which actually are the largest reaching black audiences. He hasn't done any of he, those, he, right? He hasn't done it yet. Okay, oh, but he, he will? Hasn't, he, he hasn't. He will, he, will, he, will he? Will he? Well, he's not afraid. No, no, no. But will he? I can't speak for the campaign. But so, I will okay. Tell so, how you. about this here? Why is it that in three years Donald Trump hasn't bothered to even speak to the National Urban League or the NAACP? He's been invited. Just, just, just you see, that's what that's that's the problem. No, with I, the I just asked the question. I'm you asking the question. Why hasn't Donald Trump? Why hasn't Donald Trump, President? Stop talking and let somebody respond. Why hasn't he done it? The answer is just because he doesn't go to a convention doesn't mean that he's not speaking with and working with the Urban League. I would like to no, inform that's not you what I asked. the audience. I, 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 first so of all, why, I, I, well, I, that's the old tired way of thinking. No, you it's actually, actually it's not. A, a George, speech, George W. You, Bush, George W. Bush know, spoke to the Urban I'm League five times in eight years. I was responsible for him going to the NAACP with Bruce Gordon. So when it comes down to giving a five to 10 minute speech or actually having real policy and working together, that's what this administration has been doing from day one. Reaching out, working with the National Action Network, the National Urban League, the, the NAACP, working with the National Association of the National Bankers Association, which is all of our black-owned banks. This is what this administration is doing behind the scenes, because they won't give credit for it, but it's fine. But they are working long before COVID-19, but during COVID-19 and before, through the Opportunity Revitalization Council and other leaders within. Uh, the administration and the cabinet. That is how you get things done for the community. So, Roland, if you want somebody to give a 10 minute speech, no, congratulations. No, actually, 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 it's not 10 minute speech. Actually, it's not 10 minute speech, but again, I want to campaign on. I outline. Continue to give cover to Joe Biden and his oh. bigoted comments. No, no, I want to know. I want to know what Bob Johnson said, and he said he should spend the rest of his campaign apologizing to every black person he meets because he represents the arrogant, out of touch attitude of paternalistic white candidates who have the audacity to tell black people that the Senate of slaves that they are not black unless they vote and, and for I'll, him. And I'll tell you, that is and, where I'll, we and I'll are tell today. you, and I'll tell you what also was arrogant is when you have somebody who sits here and wants to tout, first of all, who calls the first black president incompetent, somebody who stands here and talks about criminal justice reform, but does you not, but I'm not done, but does not want to own up to the fact that he has, has chosen not to stand up for black folks and brown folks in these cities when it comes to these police departments, who has given law enforcement cover, that's what he has done. A Department of Justice that has done nothing when it comes to voter suppression, who that stands on the side of those who want to keep folks from voting. When the Obama Department of Justice stood with the black and brown people in Texas when it came to their voter ID, Trump wins and they completely go to the other side and stand with the folks who want, even though five federal judges said that voter ID in Texas was discriminatory. So if we see, here's the deal. We can talk record. 
but we're going to talk about the whole record, not a little bit, because also on this show, we talk about the whole record of Joe Biden as well. Because, see, nobody gets a pass, including your guy. Paris, no, he's thanks our president. No, actually, no, 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 maybe we're clear with you. And, I don't, and, no, no, and I, no, no, actually, here's the president deal, though. I, I said this here, I, fe- I said this in February 2017. I said it, I said it in February. Oh, please, please, I said it, I said it in February 2017. That's the truth. Here's the deal. I will never call somebody president who can't even respect the office of president. So he, no, he's Donald Trump. Paris Bernard, thanks a bunch. Now we're about to talk about it with my panel. We appreciate it. All right, folks. Uh, thanks a lot, Paris. Let's go right to... Uh, is Latasha ready? Let me know Latasha Brown is ready. All right, Latasha Brown, co-founder of Black Voters Matter. Latasha, wh- what do you make of, again, all of this? Uh, folks who are saying Joe Biden was being paternalistic and condescending. Now you got Republicans who are, you know, Donald Trump Jr., I'm going to pull up, uh, tweeted this out. Uh, now they're trying to sell T-shirts because they think the way to get to black people, the black vote, is to sell some shirts. And so this is the shirt that they're selling now. Hashtag you ain't black, Joe Biden. Uh, and again, here's the deal. Paris really didn't want to answer all that stuff, that anti-black stuff Donald Trump has been doing. So what did you, you just make of all the little drama today? You know, one, I j- let me say to you, you have the patience of Job. I will just let you know, my brother, you have a tremendous amount of patience. Secondly, the last person in the world that I think we should even be given the time or the energy around having a conversation around racism and bigotry is anybody that is associating and lifting up Trump at this moment. And so what I will say is that it is fundamentally, let's be honest, fundamentally, Racism is a problem on the left side, on the right side, on throughout the the fiber of this country that we are dealing with racism. And so ultimately and fundamentally, I don't think even for me, um, while I do work and I support work mostly because of, of, of on the Democratic candidate side is because the Republicans don't even pretend to give you anything to work with. You know, I think the comments that let's let's just get down to it. The comments that uh, Biden made today were not only cavalier and insensitive, but it actually talks about underneath that, it really points to a greater issue. And there's a greater issue around how the Democratic Party, historically, the Democratic Party has taken black folks for granted. That on some level, that there's always this element around taking black people in the black vote for granted because there's this idea that we don't have anywhere to go. And so I think that that's one piece. What was some truth in what he said that I think we would think about is What he spoke to is he spoke to around Trump that black folks are acutely aware of the racist nature of Trump, that how he aligns himself with white supremacists and that many of us think that he's a white supremacist himself and that because of that, that we are are acutely aware of the danger in a way that white folks fail to, white people across the board, including white Democrats, fail to ignore, fail to acknowledge, fail to address. And so fundamentally to the extent that I think of what he raised, I think there's some truth into that. What the question is for me right now is not just spending time around just his comment. I think the the, the comment has, I hope it has some folks, their ears perked out and their eyes that were saying, okay, how are we gonna go forward? What is really important is not just what he says, right? Because there's a whole bunch of people that have told us what they're gonna do and how they believe and They love black folks. They say all the right things. And, you know, I think ultimately what right now 
And I'll go back to even the op-ed that we worked on right now is going to go, how is he, what are we going to see come out of the Biden campaign now? That's really going to, one, acknowledge, right, the contribution of black folks by, one, making sure that, that, that the black agenda, that there is within his agenda, that there is a black agenda that meets our needs, two, that he adequately really addressed what we were talking about in terms of the priorities our communities are going to, and three, if nothing else, if today didn't show me anything else, I am... It is the quintessential example. You can get a better example of why I fundamentally believe that he needs not we're asking him something because we're asking him to do something for us necessarily. He needs a black woman that there, that in his campaign, he has a major weakness as it comes to structural racism, how to address that, even in terms of how he sees black voters. Um, I think that is really important that if we want, even if we're talking about the swing vote, you know, if we're talking about even the Midwest in which um, Amy Klobuchar was supposed to be re leading the, the the candidate for VP to lead on the on the um, to be able to pull the Midwestern working class voters. I mean, at the end of the day, in there, why black folks in South Carolina elected him? I mean, part of them voted for him because they thought that he which he says that he is a candidate that can consolidate the Democratic, the white Democrats, and also that he was a candidate for white working class. So fundamentally, what is in that ticket, what he needs on that ticket is he needs a black woman on that ticket to both energize the base, to actually add some depth in his campaign around structural racism, also to make sure that there is that the perspective of black voters, those who in many times, let's be honest, black voters raised him from the dead. We did a Lazarus move. Like, black, his campaign was dead on arrival. There were black voters that raised him from the dead. What we can't get caught up in, and I think that we don't need to let this conversation where the spin cycle, let's be clear, that Trump, and his crew have this spin cycle that at the end of the day, I'm like, boy, bye. At the end of the day, to really be able to use this, to try to use as an example of the saying, oh, yeah, look how racist he is. On some level, black folk know that racism is particularly in this country, that we've seen it on, on the most liberal side, right? That we know that and we're more sophisticated. We should be more sophisticated to really be able to recognize that and really recognize the spin. So I think that instead of even just focusing on the comment, which the comment was absolutely, he shouldn't have said the comment. And it was offensive, but it, all, it speaks to something greater that didn't start with Biden, right? That actually is in, that entrenched within this Democratic Party that in some way, Black voters are not taking our agenda and how we're prioritized is not taken for granted. I think what is important for us to do right now is not to get caught up in the spin cycle that the Republicans are kind of trying to do, but really if this is the moment right now that we've got to push the envelope, that this is the moment now that we've got to push and you've got to earn our vote. You can't take for granted. At the end of the day, we're not voting just so we can participate. The reason why we're voting is because if that we want our participation to literally transform into some power for our community, some harm reduction in our community. We're in, in the you know, I know that there was a comment by the campaign uh, made that this was that was a, a comment made in jest. That's in many ways, that's even more of offensive. Like, like, what is it about black voters that we can feel the, the confidence around uh, making a comment in jest? No, he made a comment. He was out of order. It was wrong. He should back it up. But the way that he moves forward. And being able, I don't think that all is lost. I think what the way that he moves forward is that what we need to see is we need to see his campaign more aggressively show us
that they are serious about black voters, that they are serious about earning black voters, that we see the demands of what people are asking for be addressed and addressed in a way that doesn't minimize what we're saying, but really addressed in a way that he understands the seriousness because there is no path to the White House without black voters. Well, see, here's what fundamentally, fundamentally bothers me. And again, I, I sort of look at this thing as a meal. Now, if you give me the appetizer and then say, how was the meal? And I'm like, well, where in the hell was the entree and where was the dessert? <laughs> so I can't judge a meal based upon just the appetizer. That's right. And so when I watch the administration, when I watch uh, this administration do what they try to do today again, and they, they all riled up. Senator Tim Scott, he out there with Katrina Pearson uh, talking about this was condescending and, and it was all of this. While you run in your mouth, I do have to say, but where are you? Because see, it's a little hard. Again, I'm going to go back to my cooking analogy. It's a little hard for somebody to trash somebody else's cooking if they can't cook. And what, I'm, what bothers me is what I'm sitting here, which is why I wanted Paris to answer those questions. See, you have credibility with me if, one, you can own up to your shit. That's first. If you can say, you know what? You're right. We should have done that. But when you deflect, when you right. want to say, no, 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 we ain't going to talk about all that. Let's just stick to what Joe Biden had to say. That's right. Because the other deal is here. I don't only measure Joe Biden by the comment he made today. I don't only measure Joe Biden by the 1994 crime bill. I look at somebody's totality. The fundamental problem that I have here, and this is what for me, it breaks it all down. The Republican Party as a party has a bullseye on black people. Absolutely. Let me just be clear. The Republican Absolutely. Party as a party, top to bottom, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, where they passed the bill essentially making it criminal for you to register people to vote, and they were targeting, folk, they were targeting, let's be honest, groups like Black Voters Matter. When you look at what happens in Florida, when, uh, when you have Amendment 4 that's passed that restores the voting rights to 1.4 million people, I was waiting for Republicans to come forward, and what did they do? Not only did they, did they, did they get the, uh, change the law by saying you got to pay all your fines, they even changed the law to make it harder to do ballot initiatives in the future. And now we can then go to Louisiana, and we can go to Mississippi, and we can go to Texas, and then we can go to the Midwest. We can go on and on and on. And so my problem is, if y'all as a party want to have a discussion about Joe Biden's comment, let's talk. But your stuff will be discussed. And trust me, it won't go very well. See, that's the fundamental issue I have here, Latasha. You know, I, I think part of it, I, I, you know, I, on some level, let me say this, what I've of doing organizing and doing this work for more than 25 years, you know, what I do know is that black folks are stupid. There are some, you're going to always have some, you can't win them all. Right. But at the end of the day, we ain't stupid. Right. And even in the voters in our community, when we hear that, we like, we know, like it wasn't, it's, it's not. So I think on some level, you know, they are creating, you know, even when I saw the T-shirt and it said, I ain't black, I was like, perhaps that's a self-fulfilling prophecy that you have for yourself. But, <laughs> but, 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 so 
So at the, at the end of the day, like, and I, I think we are in such a serious moment that from the, from talking about even the Republicans of how they're going to spend this, I think, yes, we do need to have, have, let folks know, right? On some level, I think that black folks, you know, black folks know that there's a certain astuteness that we have. Um, but secondly, I think it's even more important that when we're talking about like this comment, right, that he made, that we don't just get caught up and hung up on the comment and then now it becomes a spin cycle. Right. Because the comment in itself becomes the energy and the fuel for, for, the, for the Republicans. But then there's a, there's a family conversation. Right. And the family conversation around black voters is absolutely that comment was out of order. It was offensive, it was insensitive, it was out of order, and it does speak to the issue that we have had ongoing with white white Democrats, Republicans alike, that in this country, fundamentally, that black folks, that literally when we're talking about voter suppression, right, when we're talking about literally equating that to power, at the end of the day, you know, one of the pieces I think is interesting in one of the comments, you know, in the comment that, that Biden made, he said, you know, he, he talked about Trump and that there was this assumption that in some ways that he's better than, because he's better than Trump, that black folks going to go with him. Now, what he is right about is he's better than Trump. But that's a real low bar, um, Roland. Like, right. He's better than Trump is right. a real low bar, right? Ultimately, I think what we have to do is really be able to center this conversation, not about Biden, not about Trump, right. but about us. That this conversation for us, for black voters, has to be centered around black folks. Right now, where we've got more black folk that we are disproportionately dying than anybody in this country right. from COVID-19, when our people are locked up like we are animals more than anybody else in this country, where we are actually seeing folks get out of jail on a get-out-of-jail-free card because of a virus, yet we've got brothers and sisters sitting in jail right now that haven't even been officially charged right, that they won't let out. I think that's fundamentally the issue because in this, it's not just about the candidates. Structural racism is embedded in the very fabric of this country and in the political systems and in the political parties. I'm raising that because I think that we have to be strategic, that those of us that do this work, right. those of us that bring criticism, but those of us that know that Trump is absolutely dangerous and we can't fall for the okie doke around Trump being dangerous, but we also have to hold the Democrats and we've got to hold Biden accountable. What I am saying is Biden has an opportunity at this moment. You said something that literally has created, you, re, you, you made your own bed that has created an issue around with black folks and black folks are going to be looking at your record a little bit closer as they should. Right. Black folks are going to be holding you accountable at a higher standard as they should. Black folks are going to be putting pressure on you to really be able to deliver for us as we should. And so ultimately, I think what we've got to make sure that we're centering this conversation is what in the hell is it that we want? That what are we going to ask for that's going to provide some harm reduction for our community, that this is a moment of seriousness for us. And then as we go forward and we can't get caught up, let me be clear, we can't get caught up in this, in the spin cycle of the Republicans, those who are seek, who seek to kill us, those who literally will say, will open up states when they know, like if I, when they know that we are disproportionately dying. So let's not, like we're not going for the okie doke, right? But ultimately, we also have to keep the pressure on to make sure that whoever, that when we cast our vote, that who we're casting our vote for has a clear understanding of the value of our vote, the value of our lives, and are going to be accountable to that. Well, that's and why. So that's what the conversation has to be. And that's why, first, and that's why 
Uh, I responded to somebody online earlier, and they were talking about, well, we're going to get the same from Biden as we're going to get from Trump. And they went, yeah, that's they, they said we should focus on lower ballots. And I had to remind them that there are about 870 federal judges in the United States. Donald Trump has already appointed almost two, more than 200 of them. Mm. If Donald Trump wins four more years, he will likely appoint half of all federal judges in America, meaning those 35 to 45 year old and 88% and of his judges have been white men, then they're going to be in power on the federal bench mm. for the next 40 to 50 years. I'm just saying. Mm. Latasha Brown, co-founder of Black Women well, Matter. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, sir. All right. I'm going to read this I here. I like t-shirt. All right. Well, you, you know I had to represent for you. I had to represent for you. <laughs> All right, y'all. Uh, Thank you, Roller. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. I did say this here. President Joe, but Vice President Joe Biden was on a call with black business leaders. This is what he said. Quote, I should not have been so cavalier. I've never, never, ever taken the African-American community for granted. I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. Uh, I shouldn't have been so cavalier. No one should have to vote for any party based on their race, their religion, their background. All right, let's bring back my panel. Greg Carr, Misha Cross, uh, Joseph Williams. Uh, I'll start with you, Misha Cross. What, what do you make of Republicans with the T-shirt and then, you know, Katrina Pearson out there, Senator Tim Scott, that whole conversation Paris had, how they are making this big old, big old thing about it um, as if uh, there's not, forget a log in their eye, an oak tree in their eye, but go ahead. For independent thinkers, conservatives sure do follow the breadcrumbs Donald Trump leads them with every time. The interesting thing that I, that I take away from this is that all of a sudden, after Joe Biden says something that was unsavory, though not racist, the actual racist have actually jumped on Twitter. The people who support racism, the people who, like you said before, are the folks who don't step out and say anything when you have issues of police brutality, are now jumping on are now jumping on this as if it's the thing that is going to let freedom ring for black people. It's interesting to me that when we talk about maternal mortality and we have a president in the White House who could do something when it comes to blacks and health care, he decides not to. When we talk about all of the um, inequities in education, we have a president in the White House who could do something about that he chooses not to. We have a president who stood by policing unions while black people were dying. And I think that there's just so much that has gone wrong with this administration to now see people who support Trump, who has made some of the most racist comments I've ever heard from anybody who set foot in the White House. We're talking about a president who has gone out of his way to demonize people, calling black areas shithole, making fun of disabled people, calling Latinos um, rapists and murderers, that now, all of a sudden, they have, the Republicans feel like they can jump on Joe Biden and now stand on the side of black people as now this is supposed to be our enlightened moment of, of sorts to move outside of the Democratic Party, to now form this Blexit ideology. I don't buy it. I don't buy it. Like, we, we have to call it for what it is. I do think that Joe Biden, even though I know it was a joke, it looked like a joke at the time, it wasn't funny. However, I don't think that it's something that's going to move the needle in another direction for the black voters. The thing for me, uh, uh, in fact, I saw a tweet from the Blaze Greg Carr, was, this is a moment. This is a, and, and it was a brother who wrote it, and we tried to get him on. I guess he didn't want to spawn. This is a moment. This is a moment that the Republican Party can seize on to get black votes. Well, brother, I think, first of all, kudos to your patience. 
It's good to see Brother Paris. I thought once they bodied him with that Arizona State uh, allegation that he, we may not see him for a while, but uh, two and a half months ago when the Republican National Committee hired him um, as the organization's new senior communications advisor for black media affairs, they knew what they were doing. In many ways, Paris has set the paradigm, as we heard Sister Brown say, for distraction. Uh, he's very clear he's not going to answer any questions. And I thought the most accurate, uh, authentic, and truthful thing he said in that long back and forth, and again, kudos to your patience, brother, uh, is that uh, he has the freedom and opportunity. He's absolutely right. That doesn't mean the truth. That means I can do what I want, and I can say what I want. And what is that opportunity? That opportunity is to make a living. Uh, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here looking at uh, Cardi Woodson's Miseducation of the Negro, and Woodson writes in the Miseducation, he says, the real servant of the people will give more attention to those to be served than to the use that somebody may want to make of them. So understand that Paris Denard is looking to make a living. And he has come to the Republicans like others and said, like uh, others, and said, uh, you know, I can deliver the black vote. Now, fortunately, uh, Brother Denard, black, uh, as many black people listen to Paris Denard as probably listen to Sean Combs, as probably listen to our brother Lenard McKelvey, who calls himself Charlemagne the God. Uh, in other words, they don't represent black people. You know, what they represent is uh, media and branding. So, you know, Joe Biden, and I wasn't really offended by Joe Biden's remarks because I know how to translate somebody trying to talk to black communities with colloquialisms. And what, actually, what Joe Biden said was actually probably accurate. If you look at just take away everything else and just introduce the one example you just gave. A quarter of the federal bench has been appointed by a white nationalist representing other white nationalists. If they're reelected, there's going to be another quarter appointed. And all these people talking about there's not really much of a difference between uh, the Democrats and Republicans are going to be faced with a real tragedy coming up. But that having been said, um, I'll finish with this. You know, it's very interesting when we hear those who are uh, angling for a job, to promote themselves, not make a distinction in a two-party system between the Democrats who are beholden to power. Joe Biden is beholden to corporate interests. We know that when he when he had money, we're going after Bernie Sanders. He gives he has small money, middle class, working class rhetoric, but his money comes from the same corporate pockets as the Republicans. The difference between the Republicans and the Democrats, of course, is that the Democratic Party is more susceptible to organized power from outside of it and gives us a better opportunity to attack for redistribution of resources and in the short term prevent the third branch of the government, the judiciary, from coming down on us in a way that's going to force the destruction of the United States of America. The, Demo uh, the Republicans have, uh, have, uh, have dropped all pretenses. So whether it's a Tim Scott or a Paris Denard or any of the other uh, on, the, on the payroll Negroes who are looking to parlay some sense of representing black people into their own individual worth, we're not talking about leadership on that side. We're talking about individuals who are attempting to benefit individually and they are free to seize that opportunity to do that for themselves. I apologize, Joseph Williams, that you got to follow that. <laughs> Man, Brother Carl fire tonight, uh, and he's 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 coming with the knowledge, which is actually correct. I mean, my two takeaway from the the both the discussion and the Biden quote unquote controversy is, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's distraction. It is not talking about the COVID nineteen deaths that are skyrocketing in black communities or the fact that they need aid. On Biden's side, Charlemagne the God had a point. I mean, voters 
get something when they vote for a candidate, or they're supposed to. Uh, I just finished reading a, a, a history of the 1940, uh, 1938 election in which uh, FDR was, was campaigning for the black vote, and black uh, activists and black intelligentsia went all in for him. And then when it came time for FDR to pay up, they had to make him, because he was not going to do it out of his own altruistic heart. And in fact, he had a cabinet that was stocked with Southerners. So the only reason why African-Americans got some progress in the New Deal is because of pressure campaigns. Now, that's got to come to bear on Joe Biden, and it is right for him to be pressured about what he's going to do for the black vote, which, quite frankly, did save him. Uh, but on the other hand, there is clearly no choice between uh, uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, especially when it comes to African-American communities. Donald Trump has a very long record. I mean, we're not even talking about things that happened this year. We're talking about things that happened in the Central Park Five, in uh, being a landlord who did not rent to African-Americans, to the fact that he has uh, very strong statements on the record about being negative on race that were far worse than anything Joe Biden even uttered, you know, probably in his lifetime. So, yes, politics is messy. Yes, this is a full controversy. Yes, it will go away. Yes, the black vote probably will stick with Joe Biden because there really isn't an alternative here. The thing here is this here. I, I think, Greg, what, what you pointed out was on the point. Those, pe those of us who understand, as you said, how to translate. Because here's what I find to be interesting. Quinnipiac, a few days ago, came out with a poll. Said 81% of African Americans support Joe Biden, 3% support um, Donald Trump. Guess what black people said? Who the hell are the 3%? <laughs> you named three of them. <laughs> now, 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 here's what I've also heard today. Well, we can say that, we can say that, but he can't. So I've sort of heard all of that. Again, for me, I don't get caught up in small stuff. I don't get caught up. First of all, I, I ain't getting emotional. Let me be real clear, y'all, every English teacher, I ain't. I ain't getting emotional over Joe Biden's comment today. Because of this here. I will put Joe Biden's comments today up against any attack Donald Trump has had against a black woman named Frederica Wilson, Maxine Waters, Yamiche Alcindor. Come on, baby. Um, Abby Phillips, April Ryan, and the list can go on and on and on. See, that, see that's why I ain't, see, Paris like, no, no, I, I was booked to come talk about this here. No. If you think you're going to come here and only have a conversation about this, to me, it's sort of like when somebody go to marriage counseling and they go, hold on, hold up. Why are you talking to me? I, I came to discuss him. No, no, we got to deal with you. And see, Paris, you can't walk up in here and think you only are going to talk about Joe Biden's comments and you not atone for what Donald Trump has done. And see, that to me is the, is the <laughs> fundamental issue, Greg, that I, 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 I challenge them on because you notice how for all of his free black man, <laughs> Paris Denard did not have the guts to stand up for black people against the vicious voter suppression tactics 
of Republicans in North Carolina. So what that tells me, Paris, is your ass ain't really free. Well, it, it depends down it wrong, because, again, you're going to deconstruct this. You already have. But let's look at some very specific ways you engaged Paris. Number one, you said, I don't allow any black person to be called out of their name. Nope. That's very important because your definition of blackness isn't a political definition in nope. that moment. It's basically saying you're a member of this group. You could have been, you could have had your tailbone busted out there at the at the store. So you, you, that, that definition of blackness is very broad. Joe Biden is signifying really almost on a political blackness. When he says you ain't black, he's saying you don't understand what's at stake here. And again, Joe Biden is a flawed candidate. In the primaries, as far as I'm concerned on policy, Warren was better, Sanders was better. The millennial vote was supposed to be supporting Joe uh, to uh, be supporting Sanders, but we see that it only came out about a fifth of the electorate. Again, a challenge we have. But Biden was using black in a political sense, I'm convinced, even though he was using it phenotypically too. But when you but the other thing you did with Paris is you challenged him on this question of morals. Let me go back to Woodson. Woodson says also, it has been said that Negroes do not connect morals with religion. The historian would like to know what race or nation does such a thing. Certainly the whites with whom the Negroes have come into contact have not done so. Meaning what? In America, religion is a cultural and political weapon. The white extremists use religion as white nationalism. That's why Ralph Reed can do that. But, but by you asking Paris to uh, to clarify whether he support what Ralph Reed said, you're forcing Paris into a position where he's going to have to make a moral choice. Rather than make a moral choice, Paris made a political choice, right. finally leading to what you exposed. There are no morals in politics for some people. They do not equate morals with political behavior. So at the end of the day, whether it be Joe Biden trying to win an election or Paris Denard trying to get a check, they're going to separate morals from politics to get what they want. And that's why, Amisha, the moment they try to bring that up, you got to atone for your own stuff. You got to see, I ain't even hit Paris with the fact that one of the first things the Republicans did after Trump was sworn in was they overturned the rules that Obama put in place that targeted discrimination against black people when it came to buying cars. When, you, when, 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 when Maxine Waters said, I will not yield, y'all seen that speech? That was what they were debating on the floor. And guess who signed it into law? Donald Trump. See, so that's what, so the moment Paris threw out morals, that's what I was like, oh, <laughs> now y'all want to have a moral conversation. Come on. This is going to always be t difficult to have a moral conversation when you have a president who doesn't care about how he talks to people, when you have a president who doesn't exhibit any bit of morality, choose when they will have morals and when they will not. And I saw how he kept deflecting, going back to infanticide, which, by the way, is not, it's not a function of the Democratic Party. A woman having the right to choose is not infanticide. So I'm glad that you tagged him on that. But it was also one of those things where he had a really hard time answering the most pertinent questions. When you asked him the one about religion, I thought that that was a very pivotal moment where he could have stepped up and said something. Because you can be religious, you can be Christian, you can be dynamic in the church, and you don't have to be someone who supports a specific candidate. Anyone who ties something to that is going to have, it, it should be listed as problematic. Donald so Trump, Donald, Donald Trump, Donald, out, Amisha, don't forget, Donald Trump challenged American Jews on how y'all supporting them 
when I stand with Israel. Same thing. He literally said, you ain't really Jewish if you opposing me. But exactly. I, 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 I ain't hear much about that. See, 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 Joseph, this is what happens when you walk down that aisle. Then we got to deal with your stuff. And see, I ain't got no problem dealing with Joe Biden and his stuff. Right. I ain't got no problem dealing with Trump and his stuff. But I am smart enough to stand back and say, all right, I got a 73-year-old white man and a 77-year-old white man. I got a, a, I guess he a Republican, and I got a Democrat. I know what you said. I know what you said. I know what you've done. I know what you've done. I now got to say, for my 13 nieces and nephews, which one of you are going to put policies and people in place that are going to have either a positive or a negative impact on the future lives of my 13 nieces and nephews and their children's children. And I can tell you right now, with all that Trump has said and all that Biden has said, it damn sure not gonna be Trump. Well, and even if you strip out the rhetoric, okay, watch what they do, not what they say. If you're talking about Donald Trump, stripping uh, away protections for discrimination and car buying, uh, a COVID-19 crisis where black communities are hit twice as hard on some levels as white communities, uh, an administration that does not hesitate to stand with white supremacists. I mean, it's clear, and that's part of the issue here, is that they're delineating a clear choice. And on some level, I think that the whole ginned up controversy about Joe Biden is more for white people than it is for black people. I mean, because black people know the deal when it comes to the Republican Party. It's very clear. Uh, 88 percent, uh, or north of 80 percent, supporting Joe Biden, south of 5 percent supporting Donald Trump. That speaks volumes. And so if that's the case, and if African Americans do know what the deal is, then why bring this up at all? And I think it's for the comfort of white people. I think it's for the comfort of those folks who want to vote Republican, don't want to see Republicans there you go. as racist and are willing to like ignore a lot of these issues, except when it comes to these sorts of things, and you can point the finger at Democrats. So that's my takeaway from it as well. And I think Denard pretty much did a good job of giving the game away on that score. And here's the deal. If I had to measure Obama-era rules when it came to the school and prison pipeline and the discipline of black children, go to my iPad. Go to my iPad. White House scraps Obama-era school discipline guidance. I can go down the line and show you when parents like, oh, Donald Trump has done more for black people than Obama did in eight years. Who got screwed the most by for-profit colleges? Black people. Who went after for-profit colleges? Obama and Biden. Who then stripped those Obama-Biden rules against for-profit colleges, Trump, Pence. Y'all, if, if, if they want to have this conversation, hmm. we can have a conversation. Hmm. But see, pa see, policy. And see Paris also wants to sit here, oh, nobody has done more for HBCUs than Donald Trump. Trump yesterday, Greg, said the HBCUs, they set. 
when I hear the word well, when I hear the word set in Detroit, first of all, as as your colleague and our sister Jamel Hill noted yesterday, he stood at an auto plant in Detroit and praised an open racist anti-Semite named Henry Ford. And then sitting at a round table with some more of these folks that they hire, as Richard Pryor might say, uh, a sister said, you should start a HBCU in Detroit. And he said, you know, that, that's a good idea. That might have been filler for you. That's a good idea. OK, fool, let's slow down, because it's very clear for all the critique of uh, of Joe Biden's fading mental acuity. We clearly see that something is very wrong with Donald Trump. And apparently, given the, the type of test that he's alleged to have been being administered every day, having perhaps as close to 50 percent. Uh, error rate, it may very well be that he's beset with COVID-19. But of course, his mental deterioration started before that. He then said, yeah, that's a good idea. Okay, fool, if you start a, a black school in Detroit tomorrow, it's not a historically black college or university. Um, Paris is just repeating talking points. And as, and as we know, he set the template for the Trump supporter. This is the template for the Katrina Pearsons. This is the template for others. And of course, sadly, Tim Scott, who was elected office in South Carolina, uh, is beholden to whatever forces that force him to repeat those things. When you're asked the direct question, you pivot, as we heard Amisha say, to the critique. To, you know, you, you pivot to the attack. So when it comes to historically black colleges, let's be very clear about that. Betsy DeVos, an open criminal, has been funneling coronavirus relief to her favorite, favorite private institutions in this crisis. HBCUs like Howard University Hospital is on the front line of dealing with the COVID crisis in the region were critiqued by white uh, 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 absent legislators like that, I guess, the Congressman Matt Getz, who was like, why are they getting this money? Fool, do you understand that these are the places that are on the front line? And on this show, finally, you've been the only journalist, this is the only platform that has had the scientists from Meharry Medical College, that has consulted the head of the National Medical Association, that is dealing with the network, people like David McBride, who've written about this, to talk about the black institution-based, including the three black medical schools and the places with hospitals, namely Howard University, Meharry, and Morehouse School of Medicine, that are the institutions that are standing in a gap for our people. Donald Trump has done nothing for HBCUs except try to do a little rebranding, give a few pennies, and sign his name with legislation that comes through the United States Congress, where Senator Kamala Harris on the House side, on the Congress side, and the leaders of the HBCU initiatives on the House side have been able to push legislation through. He gets no credit. And, and, and like I said, being even handed, you'd have to look at Barack Obama and say he don't get much credit either, which is why if Joe Biden is elected, we have to be, to Joe's point, the force that, as as uh, Roosevelt told A. Philip Randolph, to make me do it. And we will make them do it if we understand that politics isn't about a, a celebrity contest between individuals. It's about commanding power. And that's why when it comes to this show, we're going to hold folks accountable. We're going to challenge and we're going to push. But let me go, let me say it again. I have looked at records. I've listened to what they've said. I've looked at what they've done. I've weeded out all the spin. And the reality is this here. Four more years of Donald Trump will not be productive for black America. And if there is a choice for black America as to who are we more than likely to actually be able to challenge and get a return on investment? It will be Joe Biden. Nowhere in there did I say either one is perfect. Nowhere in there did I say either one uh, is going to be able to save us and deliver us. 
Because I remember writing a piece in Essence magazine that ran after Obama was elected to what Greg just said. When I said, we are going to have to push him to do what we need him to do. So all of these people, y'all, who are out here talking about the black agenda, make Biden commit. Let me be as clear to all of y'all today. Making Biden commit to something right now ain't going to mean a damn thing if he lose. Two, making Biden commit to something right now won't mean a damn thing if we are not organized and mobilized to then see it through if he does win. So for all the people out here who want to expend all of their energy on, I want to see the plan, I want to see all this right now, y'all go right ahead. I've seen what he put out. I've I've seen what others have put out. I'm here to hold that feet to the fire if he wins. If you don't win, you can't do a damn thing. If you don't vote, he can't win. If you don't register, you can't vote and he can't win. And then you can't see the stuff through. Because for all of what Paris said on Trump is meeting with the Urban League and meeting with the people over here. What's the fruits of that labor? Please, by all means, show me. And here's the other thing. And this is my last point before we go to a break. If you have been so great for black people, why are you afraid to come talk to black people? If Trump has done all of these amazing and incredible things for black people, now go back to the four box. If he's done all these incredible things for black people, why won't he go to the NAACP? Why won't he go to the National Urban League? If if he has done these unbelievable things in criminal justice, why won't he go talk to the National Bar Association? If he has done all of these incredible things for black health, why won't he go talk to the National Medical Association? If he has done these incredible things uh, when it comes to black uh, children uh, and, uh, and their teeth, why won't he go talk to the National Dental Association? Why won't he go talk to the National Association of Black Journalists? Why won't he sit down with a group of black media folks? Why won't he go sit down and go to talk to uh, black syndicated radio? Oh, Paris said, oh, he's talked to local black people who but see that's, that's talk- actually politics one that's politics 101 i mean if you do something great take credit for it make sure people know you take credit for it that's all i'm saying but the fact of the matter is this here joe biden the the discussion that he had today donald trump will never do he will never do and if somebody is afraid, and let me just go ahead and go here. I'm just going to just bowl down your alley and sit in your pew. Amisha, if a, if a young buck wants to date my niece, your ass can't drive by and honk the horn. <laughs> you got to come into the house. Donald Trump, you can send Paris by honking the horn. You can send Katrina Pearson by honking the horn. Y'all can get cute with your little T-shirt and all of that. 
But unless you, come, unless you come to the door and come into the house and greet mama and daddy and aunt and uncle, before you take out my niece, you might as well just keep on driving. I'll be back on Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to rollermartinunfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. rollermartinunfiltered.com. All these black folks are dying due to coronavirus. Churches are incubators. And then Donald Trump literally went to the podium today and said this nonsense. I'm identifying houses of worship, churches, synagogue, and mosques as essential places that provide essential services. Some governors have deemed liquor stores and abortion clinics as essential but have left out churches and other houses of worship. It's not right. So I'm correcting this injustice and calling houses of worship essential. I call upon governors to allow our churches and places of worship to open right now. If there's any question, they're going to have to call me, but they're not going to be successful in that call. These are places that hold our society together and keep our people united. The people are demanding to go to church and synagogue, go to their mosque. Many millions of Americans embrace worship as an essential part of life. The ministers, pastors, rabbis, imams, and other faith leaders will make sure that their congregations are safe as they gather and pray. I know them well. They love their congregations. They love their people. They don't want anything bad to happen to them or to anybody else. The governors need to do the right thing and allow these very important essential places of faith to open right now for this weekend. If they don't do it, I will... Trump actually said that if they don't do it, he's going to overrule the governors. He ain't got the power to do so. More than a week ago... Pastor Reginald Sharp out of fellowship in Chicago dropped this video that got lots of attention. Going back to worship uh, around Chicago, I'm told, around the nation. Fellowship will not be one of those. You can save your call. You don't have to call up to the church or wonder what us doing, what we going to do. We're not coming back to church until the Lord, the righteous judge, wakes me up out of my sleep and says it's time to come back to the building. See, see the church is still open. The building is closed. So while we're in this season, the church is still open. We're still worshiping. We're still doing ministry every week. And I thank God for it. But we will not return into this building until the Lord himself wakes me up out of my sleep, slaps me three times, pours water from heaven on my face, and warms my feet with the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I have no choice but to jump out of my bed and say, yes, God. Until that moment happens, you don't have to call us. You don't have to email me. You don't have to DM me. We ain't coming back up in here until it is absolutely safe. We'll be back in here when the NBA opens. We'll be back in here when all the governor's mansions open for tours again. We'll 
we'll be back in here when the White House opens again for visitation. Until then, until all of their stuff, and you know who there is, until their stuff opens up, none of our stuff will be opening up. Let the church say amen. And Pastor Sharp joins us right now, Fellowship Missionary Baptist Church out of Chicago. Pastor, you heard what Donald Trump said today. I mean, just no, no regard for, for people. Churches are incubators. I, that, I just, we ran a story the other day, a church in Georgia opened up. Yes. Now they're shutting back down because coronavirus spread all throughout the congregation. It's, it's, and it's going to happen in every church and every mosque and every synagogue. It is just completely unwise. I mean, we, we're the leading country uh, of COVID-19 cases in the world. I'm in Illinois. Our, our church is in Chicago. We're the third most, uh, we, we have, we're the third leading state uh, with the most cases in America. So I'm like, why, why, why are we doing this? Why are we being pres presumptuous? Uh, and, and just because the church is, uh, just because the building rather is closed doesn't mean that the church is closed. We can have church virtually. It's time for all of us to reimagine, to pivot, to uh, Jesus, most of his ministry didn't happen inside of a building. So we need to be outside the church anyway, helping our community, helping our people. So I just let it be known at Fellowship Chicago. I don't care what anybody else does in this nation. We will not be in church on Sunday. Uh, guys, let me know if you can see uh, my iPhone, please. I want to pull this story up, Pastor. It says here, uh, sorrowful black church members and churches reeling from COVID-19 losses at least 30 Three church leaders have died, according to an ABC News analysis. Thirty-three black pastors are dead due to coronavirus. Wow. Well, I've led families across the grass of cemeteries, and, and I've done it more than one time this year. And when I tell you, until you understand that feeling, then nobody will understand the passion uh, that, that I had in that video last Sunday. And now that I see what President Trump has done today, it's almost prophetic and it's eerily prophetic for me that I said that because I had no idea that he was going to pander to a portion of his base the way that he's done today. Uh, churches have to have faith and wisdom. And, and it really makes me sad, man. It breaks my heart, Doc, that you have so many pastors that have faith but, but la are lacking wisdom in this season. You got to have both. Well, and, and not only that, look, I totally get how churches are being hurt. I get uh, yeah. their buildings. I get they have bills. They have staff. their tithes and offerings. But when you have 33 bishops, pastors, and reverends die, when you had, uh, that, that was one pastor back in March, had a, uh, they had the, the funeral, 300 people were there, and all, mm. a, a number of them got infected. I mean, th this thing is real. This thing is, is impacting us in a unique way. And this is where I say, man, ignore what this man is saying because it's killing us. So if they want to go congregate, hey, knock themselves out. They can go. Ralph Reed, uh, 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 Franklin Graham, all of them can all go get together. But, I, but I've been telling I've been working with black pastors trying to help them on how to live stream, how to get get yes. the word out. But you can still, people can still give online. You can still have yeah. church. Uh, and matter of fact, to be real honest, Pastor, this actually goes back to old school church where, where you had Bible study in homes in very small groups. And many churches, churches were born out of Bible studies in home. And so 
People can use Zoom and Microsoft yes. Teams and Google Hangout uh, and other Skype and other forms to still be able to have worship, have Bible study, have fellowship. Absolutely. We've had virtual Bible study. I did a virtual memorial service. I've done, uh, we've had men's ministry, women's ministry, youth ministry, marriage ministry, all on Zoom calls and on Skypes and other things. So it's just no excuse for it. But we have to make sure that we don't put profit above people and worry about finances and put them over our flock. The people will support us as long as we, we need moral leadership. That's that's at the core of this. Uh, there you go. Martin. We need moral leadership. And that means we have to do what's good for the greatest number of people. And coming back to church on Sunday, rushing to do that, it, it's not wise. Just because the flood in Noah's time lasted 40 days, the Bible says that the waters didn't subside until 150 days. They had to stay on that ark longer than necessary because it wasn't safe yet. We got to stay on. We got to stay in the ark, stay safe, because I promise you the world, some of our irresponsible leaders in high places, wickedness in high places, they do not care about our black bodies. They do not care about our black people, our black communities. And so we have to be leaders in the African-American community that look out for our people. It is not the job of the shepherd to just feed the sheep. We have to fight the wolves. That's a direct quote from my big brother, Dr. Freddie Haynes. And we have to. This this right here, choosing to stay home, requires more faith than us opening back up our churches, having church on Sunday. It's going to take time. Pastor Reginald Sharp, we appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Fred. All right, then. Another alpha man. Always good to see the 06 brothers on the show. Uh, Greg Carr. Sorry, Joseph Williams. Um, Greg, uh, uh, Amisha, Joseph. Made the wrong choice. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, 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 I'm going to go Joseph first. I go ahead and go Joseph first because we feel sorry for you. Joseph, th 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 this is where I don't care. I'm sorry. I keep saying, black people, don't listen to this man. Don't listen well, to Donald Trump. How do you, I mean, it's it's hard to reconcile all of this. I mean, especially when you have somebody like Parisonar coming on the show claiming a record that does not exist. I mean, and, and again, there's a through line through all of this today. And the one that connects this one to the previous segment is the fact that um, African-American bodies are viewed as disposable. Uh, this church uh, announcement was not meant for, for, for black people. Again, I think it was meant for white people, but still. You have African-American congregations and African-American ministers who know what's up. They know that this virus is disconcerting and is, is, is wiping out communities. And, and there really is no excuse for Trump to do this other than pandering because he knows the fall is coming up. He wants to look strong and he wants to look like he's standing up for religion when he's doing exactly the opposite. I wrote a story back when he was running for president that this man could probably not name a Bible verse on a bet. He got it wrong several times when he was trying to speak to evangelical conservatives. They did not care because he was giving them what they wanted. And that was a president who supports their particular views on many things, including race. Amisha. This is an election year, and Trump is speaking to the religious right directly. And when he goes out and he makes these statements about church reopening, it's not because he gives two hot dollars about churches or religion at all, it's because he's trying to, you know, rally that base around a shared ideology about Christianity. Like the pastor said, I'm a proud Chicagoan, I've actually been to that church many times, 
right now we are really in need when it comes to enforcing social distancing. We don't have a vaccine. What we know about coronavirus continues to develop every day. There is still a great fear that it may, in fact, get stronger. It may, in fact, morph into something that's a lot more dangerous. We don't know. We know that there is more information coming out daily about how it's affecting children. And again, these are things that we are dealing with as new details and more news emerges. It is not time to open up churches, many of which are massive spaces, because we're long gone from the days of small storefront churches. We're talking about big churches. We can't have people going into these spaces and putting their lives at risk. We just can't. And yes, to your point earlier, Roland, there are so many ways that people are expressing their Christian faith or their other faiths via these online portals, via um, social media and Zoom and all these other you know, conference things. It is not that you have to be in the building to have church. You can do it right from your home. Greg, he's a, he is trying to appease his white conservative evangelicals, pure and simple. Absolutely. And in fact, I don't even know if he's that sophisticated. Certainly his advisors are. Um, first of all, it was good to see a young brother in his early 30s like Pastor Sharp there. And I'm glad you've been to that church, Amisha. One day, you know, I'm not one to go to church a lot, but next time those doors open and I'm in Chicago, I may go by there. Um, good Morehouse brother, as you say, and a alpha, of course. But um, it's good to see a man recover or woman a person be able to speak to black people and stand in the gap between hey. black people and this reckless fool. Uh, so yes, his political advisors want the evangelicals. You covered on this show how they were spreading around, walking around money earlier in the year, trying to buy black evangelicals. You've seen the handful of black pastors who he's trooped out through this kind of thing. But at this point, something else, and I mentioned it earlier, really, we can see this with Donald Trump. Uh, we saw Kellyanne Conway. I'm glad she's still alive. As she's sitting there in the, in the seat that Dr. Burtz got off because, you know, I mean, you got to have a sycophant there. But this is really going to the point I want to make. As Donald Trump unravels, uh, it's clear he's not mentally well. Um, the flights of fancy that he launches into, the idea that he is a, a monarch, a king, and can somehow uh, give an edict and the churches will open. That somehow if uh, governors uh, defy him, he can somehow override them. These things are the pronouncements of an unwell man. And you see him now turning to his sons. You see him now turning, here's Kellyanne again. He, he's shrinking. He, his world is collapsing in on itself, and his delusions are on public display every time he steps in front of a microphone. Those campaign managers now have to figure out how to keep enough of him together to get him to November as the Mitch McConnells and them decided how they can kneecap the federal uh, post office or somehow suppress the vote enough to perhaps steal another term and finish their real job, which is to raid the federal treasury and stack the judiciary. So there are a lot of moving parts here, but there's no guarantee that Donald Trump makes it out of this. I don't mean physically. I don't mean in terms of his physical health. I mean that this man is unraveling in front of our eyes every day. It just gets worse. So, Roland, I, I'm not sure what's going to happen even by this time tomorrow when you go on the air in terms of something crazy he's going to say. Bottom line is this here, folks. Uh, don't listen to that man. Churches, y'all need to stay at the crib. Simple as that. I don't care. Uh, Pastor is right in terms of how you can use technology. Uh, you know, Monday, uh, our alpha brother, uh, Roger B. Brown, uh, pioneering sports journalist in Dallas-Fort Worth, passed away. 
And um, on uh, tomorrow, we're going to hold his Omega service at 10.06 uh, a.m. Uh, Eastern. And then we're going to have uh, the, his memorial service uh, at 11 o'clock Eastern. We're going to be live streaming it on our platforms. Uh, he, was, he was my dear friend. And again, same thing. It would be great for us to be able to go back to Mississippi uh, to have his funeral. But simply, that is unsafe uh, for us to do so. It makes no sense whatsoever, so do not listen to anything that Trump says. Greg, Amisha, Joseph, I certainly appreciate it. Thank you so very much uh, for today's conversation, folks. Going to go to a break. We come back, have a little fun with Queen Aisha right here at Roller Martin Unfiltered. We can face this pandemic head on. We can do what it takes to protect our families and our communities. Together, we can get our economy moving again but not without the tools and resources we need to get the job done. To win this fight, it is going to take a public service army. Don't let Congress fire the frontline workers who can save us. Text FUND to 237263 to tell Congress to fund the front lines. All right, y'all. It's uh, first of all, we got some breaking news. Patrick Ewing, of course, uh, Hall of Famer and head coach of Georgetown, has tested positive for COVID-19. And so that story uh, just coming in. Uh, and so we'll be following that. Uh, the school announced it. He's under care and isolated at a hospital here in Washington, D.C. And so uh, we certainly will be uh, praying for him. All right, folks, every Friday, Wednesday and Friday, we have a little fun with a comedian. This Friday, we want to talk to uh, one of my regulars back from my TV one day. It's Queen Aisha. Queen, what up? What's up, Rolling? Yes, you're still very loud. You're still very loud. <laughs> And they said when you talk loud, then you spread it if you got it. So that, got so, it so that means just be quiet. Don't say nothing. Whatever. Don't start. Don't start. What's up, so, so, so how you been dealing with uh, all of this uh, coronavirus stuff? Well, first of all, uh, I am healthy. My family is well. And I got snacks on deck, so I'm good. Uh, well, you got snacks? I got snacks on deck. Oh. I'm eating and stuff is social, socially distanced in my bras. My pants, um, but we making it. God is good. You got snacks in your bras and your pants? I ain't say I got snacks in my bra. I said they socially distancing. Oh, so okay. I I, I, I I was trying to follow what where we were going with that. I, I was like, okay, I'm not quite sure where Whatever. we're going don't with that. Don't do it. What? No, I mean, I, I wasn't sure where we were going with that. Uh, just, I, I, I don't know. So, 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 where are you? You in LA? You in Atlanta? You in, in Atlanta. you in DC? I'm in Atlanta. I'm in Atlanta. I, I thought you. I thought you had moved to LA. Roland, I saw you here in Atlanta a year ago. Oh, Maybe damn, that's right. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, but you could have been visiting. No, I, I, I'm here. I've been here almost three years. Oh, really? Yeah. So what? A Atlanta just... I wanted to be closer to you. I said, I'm leaving L.A. I'm coming to Atlanta. I'm going to be closer to Roland and my people. Nah, you know what? It wasn't no crazy Negroes in L.A. I mean, that minute, you know... Right, it's different. L.A. LA a little different. It's a, it's a lot of different. So so you, you, you need to be with Dirty South, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so they can cut their slang and I can half understand what they're saying, but know how to get home. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so obviously, look, during these times, so you can't, you can't go on the road, you can't tour, do all those sort of things. So what's, what you been doing? What you, are you being like the rest of these comedians, just living on Instagram all damn day? 
No, I, I've never been like on social media like that. It's cool. It serves its purpose. I'm cool with it, but I don't got to I don't have to do what everybody my father watching. So I say I don't got to. He probably said all the money I pay for your education. I don't have to do what everyone else does. Anyway, so I get on when I feel a need to get on. I actually will be doing um, a Zoom party for some ladies that meet every Friday. So we're going to do that next Friday. A friend of mine turned 50 last week. We gave him a surprise Zoom party. I'm writing. I'm working on me. You know what I'm saying? Thinking of a master plan, you know, uh, live entertainment is going to be like the last thing to come back. We're going to be right there behind, way behind the churches. You know what I'm saying? So, again, when the White House and the governor's mansion open up, we coming after that. Really? Exactly. I'm not playing with it. No, you breathe on me hard. We might fight. You ain't like, yeah. So where you make all these these videos, these white folks going to stores, just coughing on people because they mad because they got to wear a mask. These people are losing their mind. Yeah, I, yeah, they they doing the most. I have plenty of masks. I don't play with it. Um, put your mask on if you step if you step too close to me. If you give me five and a half inches, we need to have a conversation. I need to talk to you in the meat department. I don't understand these people. I'm like y'all are truly losing your minds. I I, I don't get it. Um, I just I just thought I, I'm like yo. I like they literally are acting the fool. When it's just a man. And then I love this here. You know, you know I'm trying to protect myself. No, you ain't trying to protect yourself by not wearing a mask. Cause but I don't. I mean, you got us too. You got black people that ain't wearing masks too. But you got young people. I told my niece, I was like, y'all kind of the enemy because we looking at y'all sideways because some of the young people they really don't get it. They don't have an understanding and they don't want to wear masks. They think they're invincible. But no, you gonna need to put your mask on too and wash your hands. First of all, black people offended when they start talking about washing hands. What? Black people been washing their hands, and if you catch a good woman, black woman over 70, she gonna put some bleach in your bath water. So we don't understand ah, washing ah. hands because we do this anyway. She gonna we put some, all some bleach in your bath water? You know black people back in the day put bleach in the bath for water to scrub you real good. Uh, no, nah, we ain't. My, 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 my pants... No, we my, don't know nothing about that. So I, I don't. I, otherwise, I don't. All the black people that know people that put bleach in the bath water, go ahead and send um, Roland a message. Go ahead and let him know. No, mm -mm, mm -mm. Yes. no, no. My pants were being booed. My pants were not crazy. No, we actually could afford. Right. Not, not saying that it was right. What I'm saying is no. I'm just. I don't know. I mean, we we could afford being sanitary. We could afford soap. <laughs> they did too. They just wanted to scrub you real. Good. No, no. We use bleach, or you use that to clean the damn ring around the tub. That dirt ring around the tub. That you, they put bleach while the while the kids in the water. They put before and they let it get a little saturated, mix it up a little bit, then go and dump in a little bit. So no. have you been bathing every day? No, it's some it's some it, it's some black customs. I'm, I'm I'll pass on. I got you. Have you been bathing every day since you've been quarantining and hunkering down? Why? First of all, you might forget. Why are we wasting this water? See, we no no. You might you might have forgot. Remember we had uh, the doc who was on my uh, previous show. Who said that we take too many showers and baths? And she said, uh, she said that you should only be taking a shower once a week. Well, I'm not in agreement with that. I got it, but I, I'm doing. Remember, because she, she remember, remember she said if you, we take too many showers and baths, so we're washing away, we're washing away bacteria. Uh, she said that bacteria actually protects us and keeps us healthy, but if we keep washing all the time, we're stripping our body of that bacteria. You know what? You remember I that? I don't remember it, but I, I I know that Dr. Oz and some other doctors have talked about it. No, I, I'm in agreement with that, and I'm practicing that right now. I got baby wipes. For what? You at the house? But I'm just saying. I, I mean, if you ain't gonna take a full bath, at least you gotta pat it. You know what I'm saying? Oh, 
So you use baby wipes to take a take a, <laughs> a bird bath. What 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 what's wrong with a towel and some soap? Yeah, I mean you can do that too. Whatever I mean, whatever works for you, Roland. But if you got extra baby wipes around the house, not the bleach that everybody you know your forty five was telling you, you can like take that and get the cure. We not doing that. Just some regular baby wipes, unscented. Wash okay. your face, get behind your ears. Baby wipes or the Clorox wipes, which baby wipes. We not Clorox and no. We not. Oh, you mean on our oh, you mean like makeup remover wipes. Baby wipes. It okay. was for the babies before they took the makeup off rolling. Okay, all right. I'm just checking. Okay, Queen, it's good to see you. Good to see you too. What's, what, what, what's your cash app? Uh, how we how we send you something? Put a little something on what's it. Somebody, y'all sending money? Y'all for real? Yeah, we. For real? I, okay, I ain't know that. Okay, let's give me. Go ahead. Let me give you that dollar sign. A I S H A H. F is in funny, A is in Apple, R is in Roy, A is in Apple, Aisha Farra. A I S H A H F A R A. Henry Peterson, hit that. Nikki Moore, hit that. Rolling Moore, hit that. Lord. Karen Richmond, hit that. Yes, yeah, because we know, because you in quarantine, ain't nobody hit nothing. <laughs> you right about that, and I ain't <laughs> opening up for nobody. <laughs> <laughs> Queen Aisha, I appreciate it. You ignorant. You ignorant. Bye, girl. Bye. Bye. All right, y'all. Of course, we always end the show. Always good to talk to Queen. We're always in the show having a good time. Uh, we have uh, folks uh, who join our Bring the Funk fan club. We certainly appreciate everybody uh, who has joined our fan club. More than 6,000 of y'all. Uh, the number keeps going up. Remember, everybody who gives 50 bucks or more, uh, they, get a, um, they get a personal shout out. Let me see. Do we have a list today? Uh, uh, the list of my man, uh, Keenan, sent them to me. No, we got the video. So here's the deal. I'm going to read this. So we, so we read the names Monday through Thursday, and then we just run the whole list on Friday. So we'll do that. Yo, we're not here on Monday. We're going to be running a special Memorial Day. I know, with the coronavirus, everybody forgot this is a holiday weekend. I want y'all to be safe. Do not do stupid stuff. Don't you go to church. Don't be out there congregating with people. I don't care what the rest of these people do, because I'm not trying to read another story of black people dying to the coronavirus. We already got more than 95,000 deaths in this country. We're about to hit 100,000. I want our people, to, I want us to be safe, everybody, but especially our people. I want us to be safe. All right, I'll see you guys on Tuesday live, Roll About Unfiltered. Holla! From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.